Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning. Good morning. Boy, howdy. I'm liking this already. Uh, I just want to say thank you for extending to me just an opportunity to come and be with you. And I pray that this would be a day that uh, it wouldn't be uh, so much about who's here, but that God would speak to your heart and that you would hear clearly from Him. Um, When you get out of practice, you have a problem because you can't decide what to preach on. Um, I had all kinds of ideas, and I thought about just preaching all of them, but we would be here all day. Uh, But I hope that the message this morning is something that someone needs to hear today and that God will use it and uh, He will receive the glory for it. Um, I got a little bit of butterflies, too, which is kind of, you know, I, I guess when you do things uh, that you used to do, they get in trouble. But um, it is so good to see everybody. So good. Um, why don't we start with some prayer and then we'll jump in. Lord Jesus, move me out of the way and raise up you. Lord, be the center of what we share today. May today be a day where you are glorified. For it's your name we pray. Amen. Uh, It is no joke that I love football. I mean, if you know me, you know that I cheer and I have a good time. And I like any football game, but particularly the Cowboys. Thank you very much, Lee Queen. But one of the things that I really like that is not really the game itself is the ESPN commentators. And they do a show, a segment called Come On, Man. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, man. And they show like this stuff. There you are. You are so cool. And they do this stuff where, they, you know, balls, they, they get dropped and blown calls like the one at the Dallas. Anyways. Um, and then there's this stuff that they do, the shenanigans, the absolute ridiculous shenanigans that goes on. The, my favorite of all time is after a big play, Mark Sanchez looks to high five a bunch of people and they all stand around and look at him like it's crazy. I love that one. But every once in a while, they'll have some of the funniest stuffs. And it's just, come on, man. You ever read God's Word and think that way? You ever open up God's Bible and you read something that He wrote there for you, and it's like, come on, man. You ever read something and you think, who could do this? Who on earth could possibly get this accomplished? Why on earth is it in my Bible? Because nobody except Jesus Christ could get this done. Come on, man. And every once in a while, I'll come across one that'll make me scratch my head. And one of them is found in Philippians 2.14. It's an example. It's from the pen of Paul. And it talks about something that I say, come on, man. It is this. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Come on, man. Are you serious? Why on earth would Paul write that? Why on earth would he expect us to do that? Did he just write that to see himself right? I mean, has anyone got that figured out, church? Anybody got that one licked? All right, so, okay, good, because I'm not the only one good. Maybe Paul was just joking, you know? He was kind of writing a funny to the Philippian church, like, ha-ha, 
This will be good. This will get him going. But let's look at it and consider for a moment that Paul was actually expecting us to live a life without grumbling and complaining. Let's just do that. And let's look at the first word, which is everything. In other words, everything we do, everything we say, everything we live, everything of who we are is done in a way without grumbling. What if, just for example, tomorrow we decided to have one day without grumbling and complaining? Aren't you glad you came to church today? What if we just, just imagine that tomorrow we will have a day with absolutely no complaining and no grumbling. What would that look like for you? What would that look for you? I mean, and I see you looking at your wives and you're going to get in trouble if you keep doing it. But what if we just had one day without complaining or grumbling? And, and now, the, the, you know. So let me give an example. You wake up in the morning, the alarm clock goes off. You do not complain or grumble. You just get out of bed. And then you go, and the first person you see, no matter what they look like, there is no complaining or grumbling. And then you go to the bathroom, and you stay in the bathroom, and you look in that mirror, and I don't care how old you are, and no matter what your face looks like, there's no complaining and grumbling. You know, you push your eyeball back in the socket, you know. What if we lived that kind of life? What if you had to go to work, and instead of grumbling and complaining, you just enjoyed the ride? Maybe you had a day... No matter what you had to eat, no matter what happened at work, no matter who was causing trouble, no complaining, no grumbling. What would that be like? What would it be like that if you turned on your computer and it took, oh, I don't know, 15 to 20 seconds to boot up so that you could have your fingertips on the entire world, you wouldn't complain or grumble? What if... Instead of being upset that your cell phone is a little spotty and keeping you from contacting everyone on the planet with just one phone call, you were just grateful. What would that look like? Would it change anything in your world? Come on, would it? Would anyone notice any difference? (laughs) Yes. Yes. So let me ask you this. Let's do it. What do you say? Tomorrow... No complaining, no grumbling. Y'all with me? Okay, y'all going to have to do better than that. We got better acoustics now, so I can hear what, who says what. I know, I know who said that. What do you say? Tomorrow, no complaining, no grumbling. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll try. I like that. Let me tell you. Grumbling, what is grumbling about? Grumbling is the reflection of a spirit of ingratitude. Grumbling is a way to rationalize my disobedience to God. Grumbling chokes the heart, clouds my vision, cuts me off from joy. And then in a little community like a marriage, friendship, or family, or workplace, or church, or a small group, grumbling is toxic. It's like relational cancer. You can be in a great mood and get in a car with someone who's having a horrible day and tells you all the reasons why, and boom, you're on the floor. And no joke, it's in the Bible. We read in the Old Testament about Numbers chapter 11. You remember that uh, Numbers, uh, there's these guys that got freed from slavery. 400 years of slavery. And Moses leads them out into the desert. And the first thing they do is they start 
grumbling and complaining. Eleven times they complained. You know what they complained about? Their food. It wasn't what they wanted. Any moms and dads here ever had children to complain about what they had to eat? You work all day. You come home, you whip up something, you put it in front of them, and they go, I don't want to eat this. And the Holy Spirit moves. <laughs> We're having Raymond tonight, son. The Bible actually says that complaining and grumbling is a sin. It is a disconnect from God and us. In Romans 1.21, Paul says this, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Where thinking and, futile and foolish hearts are darkened, ingratitude is always the result. When Paul talks about Moses' day, he wrote a letter to the church at Corinth. He says this in 1 Corinthians 10.10, And do not grumble as some of them did, and were killed by the avenging angel. Not good, guys. And the result of that is what? Grumbling and complaining. So this is a serious deal. And when I talk about no grumbling and no complaining, I want you to understand it's just not simply that you don't talk about it. You know, we can be upset in our hearts and grumble and complain in our hearts, but as long as I don't say anything, everybody's good. It happens at the core of who we are. It is a character thing. It is something that motivates us to live a life that reflects gratitude for the Lord. It is a humble recognition that we are grateful for what God has done. It is that recognition that we got something that we did not deserve. There is something that we owe God for that we didn't do on our own. That is what gratitude is. Sometimes that thinking gets skewed because we think, I'll be grateful to the extent that I receive things in my life that I'm grateful for. You know, hey, God, if you continue to give me stuff, I'll be happy. You know, if I ask you for something, God, you give it to me, I'll say thank you for that. God, if you keep the list going, then everything will work out just fine. If you give me more, God, you'll get more gratitude. Can I ask the parents in the house a question? What happens if you take that thinking into your home as a parent. So your children are there and you say, kids, we want you to learn gratitude. We want you to be grateful. So anything you want, you can have. You just tell me what it is and I will give it to you and you'll be happy and it'll be so perfect. What do we call kids that get everything they, they want? Like, spoiled. Oh, I heard Brett in there too. Spoiled. What a wonderful word. It means rotten. It's like fruit that's been sitting out on your counter for 10 days and it's got stuff growing in it and worms and it's just nasty. We do not, amen, want to grow kids that are spoiled. Why on earth would God want to do the same with us? There is a sense that increased gratitude does not come from increased gratification. Philippians 2, 14 through 16, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God. Isn't that good? 
without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Don't y'all want to be stars in the universe? I'd kind of like to be. Listen to me. There's something deeper here. There's something beautiful here. There's something that pops out. Gratitude is not a matter of circumstances I inhabit. It's a matter of the person I become. It's not how much I get. It's who I am in God. It is the character of who I am because of God's grace given to me. It is that, well, this is how it works. Now, Paul, let me give you context. He's writing this letter, and he's basically received a gift. This church in Philippi, they see what's going on. They want to say thank you. And so they send him some money so he can continue to ministry. So he basically writes this thank you note. Your mama always told you to write thank you notes. If Paul did not have a mama to teach him, we would not have the book of Philippians. And so he wrote this letter for us. And he wants them to know uh, that he's appreciative of the gift. But he says this, Philippians 4, 11 through 13, a teachable moment. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have what? Learned. Underline that. To be content, whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do... Go ahead. Everything, all things, through him who gives me strength. I have learned. You know, there's a lot of learning going on in my life. And the one thing I want to learn is not in a book. It is in the book. It is learning to be more grateful, learning to be content. And Paul is saying, guys, I don't want you to miss this because there's so much weight to it. It's not about what you get financially. It's not about what you get in this world. It's about learning to be content, being grateful. Can I, can I ask you something? Have you noticed that more people that have less are more grateful and people that have more are not grateful? Have you noticed that? It's kind of a paradox thing. There have been moments in my life where I've seen people that have everything. And they seem really unhappy and really ungrateful. And those people who have nothing seem to be the most grateful for what God has done. There's actually a guy from Harvard, uh, A-C-H-O-R is his last name, and he does a study there at Harvard on happiness. (laughs) I I don't know why I didn't get picked for that. We want you to study happiness, okay? And so he goes, and he is on his way to speak at a little village in South Africa, and he's coming from Harvard, you know, elite Harvard. And so he goes to this little tribe, and they have no electricity. They have nothing, no possessions. They are just there, and they're all filling this place, and he's getting ready to talk. And he's like, oh, what am I going to say? How on earth am I going to relate to these kids? How am I going to relate to these families? Because I come from Harvard and I have all this stuff. And so I'm elite. I'm so elite. He goes, oh, I know. I'll connect with them with a common truth. And so he says, to kind of get them stirred up, get them ready to go, how many of you hate homework? Nobody. I didn't ask you. (laughs) Well, let me tell you. He asked that question of all those kids, and not a one of them raised their hands. 
They said, we love homework because it is a privilege, it is a gift that we get to learn. In other words, they don't even know where their food's coming from, much less where they can go to school or not. And this reality came into his life, and he began to look at things differently. In Harvard, they complain and moan about having to write an essay, having to go buy books, having to study. These kids who have nothing want to learn. They can't wait to learn. I would like to preface that. I like to learn things I want to learn, right? Do you think age has anything to do with gratitude? Let me ask you this. Do you think, which is more likely to be grateful, uh, a 70-year-old person or a 20-year-old person? Go ahead, guess. 70, that's right. Is that kind of odd? I mean, you get more wrinkly when you turn 70. Your, your joints don't work. I heard somebody in the back there walk down the aisle, and I, it wasn't the wood that was cracking. There was stuff going on. I mean, you would think if you were going to be grateful, you'd be grateful when you're 20, when you're young and beautiful, right? 70. I have 50 years before I turn 70, so I'm really looking forward to it. But, you know, there are those moments. Sometimes when we're aware of our world, things change as far as what we're grateful for. I've shared with you before that I hate standing in lines. It is absolutely crazy. And there's no place worse to stand in line than Walmart. I never have 20 items or less, so I have to look for the lines. And there's always three lines open. Those three lines are all together by the cigarettes, right? And so you stand there, and you, what you do is you count, right? You count who's in line, right? And you count the items they have in line. And you begin to guesstimate which line would be the most... Uh, not quickest, because that would get in trouble. The one that's quicker. Y'all with me? And you watch those lines, and you hate being there, and you stand in line, and you're thinking, why on earth am I buying all this junk? And you're standing there, and you're watching the lines, and you make a choice, right? And you stand in line that you think will give you the most potential for getting out of there the quickest. And what I do is I will imagine where I would be in those other lines, and watch those other lines. And if those lines progress quicker than mine, I get mad at those people. <laughs> what just so happened that I was in one of these lines, walking through the lines, standing there, and my lady had to write a check, and then the check was not readable, and then they, she had no money, and, it, and my people were moving along, and my imaginary self went out the door. And I'm just kind of grumbling and complaining. And then I turned at a disgust like this. And behind me was a man and a woman. And the man was in a wheelchair. And I know that it wasn't a temporary thing because it was one of those full body reclining wheelchairs. And he had like a stick for his mouth. And his wife was standing behind him and she probably had six or seven things. And it hit me. What would he give to stand in line? What would he give to trade places with me for any amount of time? And it hit me. What some people see as entitlement, 
some people see as gift. And maybe that is the core of gratitude. I could just stop there, but I'm not. <laughs> There's another piece of this, and it has to do with the gratitude towards God. So one day I got to go to Honduras, <laughs> and I was so excited about doing this. And they told me that I was going to preach, y'all. Isn't that cool? And I was going to become an international speaker, like the International House of Pancakes, only with less calories. And I was all excited. And I got ready to go up there, and I got ready to preach, and they got me all situated, and they said, okay, there's going to be a translator and all this kind of stuff, and all you have to do is, is wait because we're going to worship. And I'm looking at the clock, and I know what time I'm going to preach. I'm getting all excited, and they start worship. Well, after 50 verses of the same song, I start to grumble. Have you ever been in that situation? New culture, new situation. And they're just singing this song over and over and over and over, like, you know, what Walt does with that one rift he likes. And I'm sitting there, and I'm getting mad because I want to do my thing. I want to get up there and preach and go home and relax, and I got things to do. I got to go find tarantulas in the hallway. That's my thing. And finally, after like an hour and a half, it felt like, you know, of singing the same song, I said to the guy, what is going on? And he says, Scott, these people are just so thankful they have a place to worship God. They're just so thankful they get to be here, and, and they just want to let God know. And I said, by the way, what song were they singing? In, in other words, if I'm listening to this song and it's going over and over again, what song are they sharing. He goes, give thanks for the grateful heart. Oh, man. What they see as gift, I see as entitlement. Even worshiping here. We kind of joke about the gun out front, but man, there's some serious stuff going on in our world. It's because what some see as right, some see as gift. Gratitude means I perceive something good coming to my life, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful to the God who gives me because I did not deserve it. You know, in the old days in Old Testament, they used to have prayer, and they would have a pray for a meal. Do y'all ever do like those uh, memorized prayers for a meal time? God is good. God is great. Thank you for what's on my plate. Rub-a-dub-dub. Thanks for the grub. Anybody? Am I the only? Okay. Did any, anybody got one I didn't say? I mean, that was really fast too. Like you practice it. <laughs> we all have them, right? We all do them, and we all do around the table. We all do. But in the Old Testament, when they do prayer, they used to pray for everything. So like they would get together, they sit around the table, and they would pull out the grapes. Oh, God, how wonderful you are that you made grapes. Look how wonderful this, this grape is. This grape is so juicy and it's so amazing. It could do all kinds of great things with grapes like make fruit salad, I was going to say. And it's a good thing. And I'll talk to you after church. And grapes are good. And then they got out the bread. They said, oh, thank God for the bread. Isn't that good? And listen to the crunch. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, God, that you created carbs. Amen. <laughs> Y'all crazy people cutting out carbs. God made bread. 
It's a wonderful thing. And we thank God for the bread. And they got out of Brussels sprouts. Actually, they never got out of Brussels sprouts. Those came after the fall. It's actually a sin. So just stay away from those. But you see what I'm saying? They would actually compete against each other to see who was more grateful. What if you enjoyed your meals like that? If you slowed down and noticed what you were eating and the hands that prepared it. What if you took time to be humble? Y'all remember the story about the ten lepers? Remember that? They were basically, uh, they were lepers off the side, and they're like calling out to Jesus. Have mercy, they cried out. When he saw them, he said, meaning Jesus, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Luke wanted to make sure we got that. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Can I ask you a question? This say, after the miracle, you met up with those nine guys. And you sat down with them and said, hey, are you grateful that Jesus healed you? What do you think they're going to say? Well, yeah. Are you kidding me? I was basically dead. I had nothing, and I was healed, and now I get to go home. I get to see my family. I get to be together. I get to get my job back. I get to live life. Of course they were grateful, but what was the key? Jesus took it as ingratitude. Why? Because they didn't say thanks. Andy Stanley puts it like this. The problem is that people in your life experience unexpressed gratitude as ingratitude. He's a Samaritan. Ten guys were healed. I mean, he really probably was thinking he would get spit on. But instead, he was given such a grace, such a gift, that he could not contain himself. I have to go say thank you. If you are overwhelmed by a gift, you can't wait to express it. We need to find ways to say thank you for what God has done. We also need to find ways of saying thank you for what other people have done. Right? Because if we don't express, it's like we're ungrateful. All right. So maybe one of the things we could do tomorrow is pray a prayer of thanks. You could pray something like, I thank God, Lord, that I have four walls in my house instead of four walls of a casket. I thank you, Lord, that my toes are pointed forward instead of up. I'm thankful that I have a family. I'm thankful that I have a life. I'm thankful I get to go to school. I'm thankful, and you fill in the blank. There are some things that we need to be thankful for. Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. He's writing to this Philippian church. So here you are. Some of you are married. You get in your car. Gentlemen, you look over, and maybe you could just say thank you. And some, I know you pushed back already. Listen, man, if I go out of this place after hearing your sermon and get in my car and turn to my wife and say thank you, she's going to say, well, you just heard that in church. <laughs> You're only doing that because the pastor told you to. <laughs> so what? Maybe if I will wait a couple of days and then do it, she'll figure it out. She will figure it out. Just do it. Get it over with. 
Be thankful. Just express gratitude. Are there any kids, anybody here in the church that ever had parents? Yeah? Can you imagine? I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm a parent. The amount of work and time that your parents have poured into you. All those times my mom and my dad shuffled me around because I had band practice. And we can't have band without the bass clarinet. Got to make sure he's there. How many times they sat with me and allowed me to talk and allowed me to share. How many times my mom made food that nobody ate. How many times... (laughs) I'm glad we can share. There are those moments that they, even though they didn't have much, they found a way to give us what we needed for school. Do you know how much a calculator costs for school? We buy calculators now that are $200. And don't even do my taxes for me. They're just a calculator. How much has our parents poured into our lives? Hey, this is a great day to say thank you. Lord, I'll meet you after church. It's a great day to say thank you. But you know what else? There's a great day to say thank you to you. How much you've invested in me, in my family, in my life. There's this sense of this culmination of just being loved well. And I am grateful. I am so grateful. It's just, above all else, this spirit of a gift. The first time you get a gift, it's like, woohoo! The second time, it's almost expected. The third time, you're kind of like, well, if I don't get it on time. And if we don't get the gift, I'm just saying. Maybe today would be a really good day. I mean, the Cowboys aren't even playing. You got time. Just sitting down and writing a letter. Just a little letter, maybe, thanks. Can I tell you a secret about me? I have a file in my office, and it says memories. And probably 85% of memories are thank you notes that people took time to write. And they have no idea what it meant. But I do. Because somebody took some time to write down a little note. And they're not grand. It could be just something like, you rock. Thank you for listening to me. Maybe today's the day where you do that. You share that. You enjoy that. Or maybe you just call somebody. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gift of this day. We thank you for the gift of just being able to be in this place, to be alive, to enjoy our family. And we pray that this day would be your day and that that we would allow you by the Holy Spirit to change our hearts, to make us new. Lord, help us to express gratitude from the core of who we are and help us to do it in a way that's received well. Lord, we are thankful for so much because we've been given so much. Above everything, it is the gift of grace. It is the gift of your Son who died on the cross for my sin 
is a gift that one day you will return and we will see you again. And I can hold you in my arms and embrace you and say, thank you, Jesus. Lord, help us to not be like the nine who did not say thanks and it was taken as ingratitude. Help us to come to you and say thank you. For it's in your name. Amen. Um, so here's, a, here's the thing I want to close with. I want you to uh, indulge me a little bit. Whenever we have a bad day, this is one thing you can do. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think about what heaven looks like. Uh, just what you know of God's word, what you've heard people say, uh, just close your eyes and imagine what it would be like to see Jesus and that city and those friends and family that you don't have anymore. Would you indulge me and just do that for a moment? Just close your eyes. Let's do that together as a church. Lord, we are so thankful that one day the skies will roll back like a scroll and we will see you in all your glory and we will see the city that you have prepared for us and we will see friends and we will see family. <laughs> oh, what a day. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.